Okay, we're beginning a series called Epic Fail, and um, all we have to do, we're going to watch a replay of the Villanova-Oklahoma game, uh, because uh, it's pretty much an epic fail. Um, I want to show you just a a different video, actually, it's not that, but you, um, if you aren't uh, living under a rock, you knew this happened, but the 2015 Miss Universe pageant, Steve Harvey announces the wrong... uh, Winter, um, it's epically funny if it's not you. Oh, no, I have it. Jonathan, you're showing it for me. Awesome. Columbia! to apologize. The first runner-up is Colombia. like the most awkward moment on in the history of the planet. <laughs> you got the lady that for four and a half minutes thought she was queen, and then you got the queen, and then you got the guy that made the announcement. And I don't know about you, I've, I've made really quantum mistakes before in my life. I mean really big mistakes. Never in front of 6.2 million people. The, the viewing audience of that particular fail was, that's a, cool, that's a cool picture though, isn't it? I mean, that really is a great picture. Um, 6.2 million that night watched it. Now, I, did, I wasn't, you know, I'm, I'm not watching Miss America or whatever that was, Miss Universe. But everybody heard about it the next day. My fails typically don't go that far. People don't know that much about them. But I can tell you this, I've made them. And we're going to look at this interesting series on... The seven deadly sins. Now, you might be thinking, well, I didn't even know there were seven deadly sins. Well, sure, you you're, you should. I mean, this is really important. And, and so they are um, greed and lust and pride and sloth, envy, wrath, gluttony. They were compiled or developed by a guy named Evagrius. If we had had a son, that was going to be his name, Evagrius Vest, but it didn't work out for us. Evagrius came up with these in about 300, 370, 380 uh, A.D. Okay, so he studies his Bible. He, he looks and sees some kind of common themes that occur in Scripture and its teaching. And Scripture says, hey, here are some things that really you should avoid, like greed and lust and those sorts of things. And so he makes a list. 
And this list has been used throughout history. So you might be saying, well, yeah, but that was, you know, uh, a long time ago, 1,800 years ago. Why are we looking at it now? Well, it's interesting. The stuff that used to mess us up is the stuff that still messes us up. And so we're kind of going to just look at it because it makes sense to look at it and Scripture talks about it. And so maybe we should just begin with a question. Does anything, do you have anything in your life that sort of controls you that you really wish it didn't? Maybe you have um, gluttony. I mean, you, you have uh, compulsions toward sexual addiction or a porn, uh, porn addiction. Or, or maybe you have uh, too much of a temper. Uh, something like that. Uh, I heard one wife talk about her husband. She said he was temperamental, 90% temper and 10% mental. Uh, we, can, uh, uh, we can be this. And so, um, epic fail, we're kind of looking at it, not be- because it really hasn't gone away. We haven't fixed these things yet. And so, we're going to look at these things. Now, they sound quite ominous. Not, not just seven, seven sins that are a bummer. These are <laughs> seven deadly sins. I mean, this will really mess your life up. It's not, you know, kind of a, these aren't stumbles. These are really big. And so that's kind of why we're looking at them today. Um, In history, if you've heard of Dante, he wrote uh, the Divine Comedy and and the Stages of Hell. He used the seven deadly sins as sort of a model. Uh, Chaucer wrote the Canterbury Tales. He used this. Uh, St. Augustine and Aquinas Aquinas, uh, used the seven deadly sins in their teaching. And so, these have been used for years and years and years. We're kind of carrying on the tradition. Now, today, this is what we're going to do. We're going to lay a foundation. We're going to look at the problem. Then we're going to look at God's promise to fix the problem. And then we're going to kind of lay a foundation for the process of how do I get past these things. All right? How do I get past when I have quantum fails in my life? The, the, the truth of the matter is, you're going to have them. I've had them. If you've not had them, they're in your future it, the older I get, it's, it's kind of interesting to me. I talk to people, everybody's got problems. Everybody has, if you've got uh, a wife or a husband, you've got a problem. You know, it's a problem. Uh, sometimes those are issues. If you have kids, kids can be a problem. you got parents, parents can be a problem. I mean, if you have a job, where you work can be a problem. There's, if you live in the United States, the government is a problem. And so you've got problems in your life. And some of those problems are initiated in us. So let's talk about us. We're going to deal with us. We're not going to talk about anybody else today but us. So here's the problem. The problem is Paul. Paul's a cat that wrote much of the New Testament. He started lots of churches. He wrote this letter to the church in Rome called Romans, and he summarizes his own life. Now understand, many people consider this guy to be the greatest Christian who ever walked the planet. I mean, he suffered for Christ, he preached, he started churches, and this is what he writes about himself. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I don't do. What I hate to do, that's what I do. And Uh, As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it's sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. And I don't know about you, i got to tell you something. Have you ever seen those pictures on, on like, the internet of celebrities without their makeup on? Anybody seen those? 
Oh, come on, ladies. Uh, I'm not going to raise my hand because it's going to look bad. Yes, we look at those. Or like um, uh, celebrities who kind of start losing it uh, physically, you know, kind of stretch. Now, why do we like those? Because, because they, they have this perfect persona, but it's nice to know that they get stuff stuck in their teeth just like we do, right? It's kind of nice. Misery loves what? Company. We, we like it. All right. This is one of those misery loves company verses. This is a section of scripture where, where Paul is saying, look, I do not have it all together. There's stuff I want to do, I know to do, God wants me to do, and I know it, and I don't do it. And there's stuff I don't want to do, I know God doesn't want me to do it, but I do it anyway. And I don't know about you, this makes me feel better about me. Because, wouldn't it be horrible if Paul said, you shouldn't do anything wrong and I have accomplished this, and you can accomplish it too, and then you do wrong stuff, and it would be sort of hopeless. Because I don't know about you, but I've tried to live perfectly, and I fail every time. And I like that a guy like Paul, this pillar of Christianity, also made mistakes. I can relate to this. You can relate to this. I'm kind of happy about it frankly that he didn't live a perfect life i don't live a perfect life therefore now what do i do now it's not going to be perfect so what do i do now jesus said this we're engaged in this sort of internal civil war and he said the spirit is willing we we know it a lot of times we just don't know what to do with it how do we live it out we we have this kind of internal Civil war in our lives. By the way, if you have a little outline, I see you all filling it out. That's good. If you don't have one, that's cool. Some people don't learn that way. Some people like it, so that's why we provide them. Um, I see this when I go for my annual checkup to my doctor. All right. Um, I, I had a heart attack when I was 40 years old several years ago. Uh, I was prescribed statin drugs. I think those do something for your health. And um, then like a high blood pressure pill, I take something... For that and like fish oil you know I have gills now and uh, stuff like that so I take these things all right a couple years ago I go to the doctor and I'm not um, I, I, I'm more religious in taking them now than I used to be but for about two months I just didn't take anything and it was my annual checkup time and my doc said hey how you doing on taking your pills I said dude let me tell you I feel great I look marvelous. I mean, really, I, I don't know how I could look any better than this. I feel good. I really don't see the need. I can't see that they're doing me any good. I, and I said, I have to confess, I haven't taken them for two months. Now, <laughs> have you ever disappointed anybody really bad? And that they look at you, like, with disappointment? I said, Doc, here's, let, let's do this. Take my blood now. Do some blood work now. And then I'll get on the pills again, and I'll take them for how long does it take for it to really kick in? About a month. Okay, I'll take them for a month, and then we'll do blood work again, and you can show me the difference. That's logical, isn't it? Do you all see the logic in that? Makes sense, right? So we took blood work, no pills. We took blood work, taking my pills. 
um, he showed <laughs> with, with as he shook his head, he showed me the results. I basically had red lard running through my uh, veins when I wasn't taking pills. My cholesterol count was in the billions. I, I mean, it was like uh, you have a billion cholesterol cells. It's really uh, basically, <laughs> basically, he said, when you don't take your pills, uh, do you have life insurance? That was the first question he asked me. Are you taking care of your wife and kids when you die? Because you're going to die. Okay, so I, I know what to do, but I think th- this is the stupid part of it. I thought I knew better than a guy who's trained to know this stuff, right? He, and by the way, I had, I had the greatest doctor in Michigan. He was just awesome. He's a Christian. He would pray with me. I, I liked him. I just didn't trust him more than I trusted myself. Because all I was judging was how I felt. Feel good. Look good. I don't think I need this stuff. I'm smarter than you, Mr. M.D., who's gone to school and paid lots of money to have this education. The, the problem we run into is sometimes we think we know better, even than God. Now, God knows lots of stuff. He's really sharp. He tells us things in Scripture. And when we don't obey Him, and when we can't follow the rules or the, the direction that God gives us, and here's the cool thing about God. He gives us a choice. I went to the doctor, and once he showed me this stuff, I still had the choice. I could take the pills or not take the pills. Miriam likes me to take the pills, so I, I take them. You know, really, I take them. Um, because it's kind of good to be alive. Life is good. Well, when we don't do what we know to do, and we know it's not good for us, there are some natural consequences. It's, it's sort of predictable. We're confused. He said, I... I don't understand. I do not understand myself. Can you answer the question, not out loud, but just sort of to yourself? This is rhetorical. Why, is it, why are we so resistant to change? Why is it difficult to start something we know is good for us? Why is it difficult to stop something we know is bad for us? What is the issue? We, we get into patterns why is it so difficult to change? It is incredibly confusing. I don't know why I do this. Then, not only was he confused, he was frustrated. For what I want to do, I don't do. But what I hate to do, that's what I do. I heard about these two ladies, and they were on a diet, and they kind of, in conversation, found out they were both on a diet. They really weren't dieting together. They, they decided to become diet buddies. And so one of them said, okay, so as diet buddies... If I have an urge to go to the cookout, get a burger and fries and a chocolate shake, I'm going to call you. And she said, yeah, and I'll meet you there. Uh, that's uh, <laughs> kind of how we do things. We read these self-help books. This is, what's, this is what frustrates us. A self-help book will say something like, drop all your bad habits. And every one of us that reads that, we go, duh. Or it'll say, uh, stop being negative. <laughs> well, okay, how? There's not a lot of how. There's a whole lot of this is what you should do. This is the problem with those things. So we get confused and we get frustrated, which leads logically to this third thing. We get discouraged and defeated. This is a verse we haven't looked at yet, but it, Paul said, what a wretched man I am. 
who will rescue me from this body of death? I mean, we start to feel really bad about ourselves. Now, great news today for you is that it is possible if we do things right, if we kind of follow the process, it is possible to change. It's possible. You might have come in here today kind of hopeless, kind of defeated, maybe discouraged. I don't think it's possible. Well, it is possible. Here's what I know. God makes this promise. Let's look at it. Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I mean, our church name, we love freedom so much, we put it in the name of our church. We need to be free from the weight of our sin and expectations of others and all those kind of things. And, and Jesus said, look, you can, you can be set free, and there's a key. It's truth. The truth will set you free. Because this is, this is kind of the key to all this. The way you think determines the way you feel. And if I might add a sentence, the way you feel determines the way you act. So how I think helps me feel right, and if I feel right, I'll act right. Look at Romans 12. Again, Paul writing, be transformed by the renewing of your habits. Is that what it says? Be transformed by the renewing of what? The way you think. You have to think right. When you're depressed, most of the time it's because you're thinking depressing thoughts. Now, I may have mentioned it once or twice. I am a Kentucky basketball fan. Have I, know, have you know, have I said that? You should know this. Um, final Four weekend without Kentucky in the Final Four is... I, I am really depressed. I'm taking some antidepressants, you know, uh, really. I am bumming big time. Uh, I, I almost wore a black shirt today in mourning. I, I really i am kind of in mourning. And, and I have to start thinking differently. So now this is what... I know you South Carolina people get it, get amped up about football, right? Is that what y'all are about? Yeah, whatever. Uh, it's a sport for big people that bump each other. Okay, anyway. And then there's a finesse sport with athletes. It's called basketball. Anyway, anyway, anyway. 27 weeks from today, Kentucky starts their basketball season for 2016. I mean, are you excited about that? See, I have to think differently. I can't think, oh, we just lost. We could have won. And then if North Carolina wins tomorrow, I, I am really going to be depressed. Because really, um, we hate them. In the love of Jesus, I mean, I mean it from a Jesus perspective. But they're cheaters and we hate them. And that's how, that's how it works for us. Okay. That's us. So I have to get, flush my depression by thinking of something differently and and the text tells us god says to us be transformed by the renewing of your mind I, you have to one of my favorite country song titles uh, it, this is a great this is great uh the title is how can i miss you if you won't go away i i think that is like one of the best ever and and part of that, part of that is I can't change until something changes, right? I can't get past this until something changes. I, I have to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. That's why I read my Bible every day. I, I need to be, just like I take my medicine for my heart condition, for me, Scripture is sort of 
It's spiritual medicine I take every day. I have a little verse that's sent, or verse or two that's sent to uh, my phone. First thing I do when I wake up in the morning is I look at my, it's from Bible Gateway, and it comes on my phone, and I look at, it's usually a verse or two. And typically there are familiar verses that I already know, so I have to really think about them. Because here's the, the struggle for me is, if, I, if it's familiar to me, I don't concentrate on it. So I have to just think about it a little bit, meditate on it, and and. And, and just kind of mull it over, and I read it two or three times during the day because that helps me. It helps me think differently. Now, do do any of you watch those home improvement shows, like uh, Flip It to Win It or uh, um, Fixer Upper? That's one. Remember when Ty Pennington used to do that one? What was that called? Extreme Home Makeover. Remember that? Remember that Ty Pennington guy, the most annoying guy ever. And and they would have the revealed. Y'all remember that? They would go into a home, and they'd re- they would fix it, and they would reveal it. And the people, do you all know how they reacted? It, it was insane. People weeping over how they decorated a room. i got to tell you something. That's whack. That, that is whack. I was in the room when my children were born and don't behave like that. I mean, really. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe it. It's like, seriously? It's a lamp, you goof i mean really seriously yeah they put paint on a wall Woo! I, I, anyway kind of over kind of overdo a little bit there but here's there's kind of some themes to this what, what happens when somebody fixes renovates a, a property somebody goes into the property and this is what i wish i had this vision but they can go into these old homes that are just kind of funky and messed up and, and, and these designers can look at these rooms and they say, you know, if we move the fridge here and if we did this and if we, if we rearranged, man, then it would be awesome. And, and the people that own the home have never thought that way. And, and they kind of look at it and they, it's like, oh, we don't see it. But then somebody from the outside looks and says, if we change some things, look at what it could look like. And then they do it. Somebody from the outside has to, to see the vision. And then, and then somebody from the outside has to come in and do what you can't do. Because most of us can't do that stuff. I mean, I've tried to do stuff. I got in the middle of doing stuff one time. I was, uh, it was, we lived in New Mexico, and we had this box outside our house. And it had, like, some lines and stuff running into it. And I'm thinking, well, that's stupid uh i think i'll cut those off i'm gonna undo them and see what it is <laughs> tracy <laughs> that's a really bad idea isn't it uh, really bad okay so there's some lines and some stuff and i thought well how hard can this be so i get my little wrench i have some wrenches and i start wrenching on this thing and i'm undoing it because i know righty tighty lefty lucy I'm, I'm that smart i don't know much but i know that I start undoing this thing, and if I'm lying, I'm dying, and I lie a lot, but not right now. Uh, I undid this thing, (laughs) and we had a two-story house, and water shot above the second story. I mean, I don't know what this thing was for, (laughs) but it had some pressure to it, I I can tell you that. And it was water just, I mean, like a geyser. Now, at this juncture, this is not the time to try to figure out where the cutoff is. 
You should know where the cutoff is. Like, before you move into your house, go figure out the cutoff. So I'm looking around trying to figure out where the cutoff is. It was down by the road. And you have to have a little tool. And so I've got a geyser. I've got a yard full of water. My neighbor's looking at me like, dude, the point is this. Sometimes you've got to hire somebody to do something you can't do. All right, all right. So there's a procedure. God says, hey, hey, God, there's a promise. If you know the truth, the truth will set you free. The promise is you can be free. Whatever's binding you up. It, it might be a habit and an addiction. It might be a relationship. You can be free. The, the, the good news of the scripture is freedom is available to you. And, and I think God in, looks at our lives and, and we, we are like the people who have the house that we can't see it. But God looks at our life and, and he says, man, if you just rearrange this a little bit, and can, if, you could have an amazing life. And I can do that for you. And there are some people that would look at that and say, I don't see it and I, I, can't, I can't buy into it. But, but, but there's a process. We're going to talk about the process. If you believe that you can change, there's a process. Let me show it to you. Number one, I have to admit I've got a problem. Your problem is probably going to be different than my problem. is probably going to be different than your neighbor's problem. We all have issues. Whatever your issue is, we have these problems. And the scripture talks about it a certain way. It's kind of passe and old-fashioned and unsophisticated. But the Bible uses a word, and it's the word sin. We have sin in our lives, and this really messes us up. I have to admit, I have a problem, and the problem is sin. It's just kind of how it works. We have a problem. Our problem is sin. Now, sin basically is this, and I talked about it a minute ago. Sin is an attitude that says, I'm in charge, and I don't need God. I can fix it myself. I can do it myself. Like I said to my doctor, I don't think you know what you're talking about. We do that to God. We read scripture. We hear a preacher say something and we say to ourselves, yeah, but that doesn't fit our culture today. Yeah, but I like doing this a little bit better. Yeah, I know, but I'm going to do this. See, how this plays out, this plays out in a ton of different ways. We get into wrong relationships, we, we lie, we cheat, we steal, we, we rationalize all this stuff that we do. All those are, are kind of the, the, the symptoms that the problem is we have sin in our life and sin says, I'm smarter than God. I know scripture says I'm not supposed to live with a guy before I get married, but we're different, you know. I know Scripture says I shouldn't be addicted to this, but we're different. I know Scripture says this, but I'm different. Th that doesn't apply to me. Have you ever said that to yourself? That doesn't apply to me. Well, it does apply to you. God's smarter than us. He knows what He's doing. And, and the Bible talks about this all the time. Look, look, I'll give you a verse. 1 John 1.8 If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves. And not living, and there's our word for the day, in truth. Jesus said the truth will set you free. You've got to know the truth so it can set 
you're free. And I heard a cool saying, I think Rick Warren said this, in order to stop defeating myself, I must stop deceiving myself. What I'm doing is wrong. It's called sin. I have to admit it's a wrong thing. If you've ever been to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting or a, or a, a Narcotics Anonymous meeting, the very first step is this. It's, it's kind of in their, their 12 steps. Admit that I'm powerless to control my situation and my life has become unmanageable. Now, if you talk to psychologists, sociologists, counselors, what they'll say is sometimes people wait too long. There, there's a, kind of a, almost a point of no return. Two, there's kind of two ways to look at this. You have to hit rock bottom, and then rock bottom sometimes for people is what it takes to get them back up, and for some people they give up. You can get up or you can give up when you hit rock bottom. Sometimes you wait too late. I've, I've talked to husbands, and they'll say stuff like, my wife left me, and I'll say, well, did you see it coming? No, I didn't see it coming. She said I didn't listen or something, you know. And, and I'm thinking, I mean, you saw it coming. You just chose to ignore it was coming. You chose. It was your choice. We wouldn't choose to ignore things. And it's possible to wait too late. We don't want to wait too late. Look, look at John. Jesus says this in John. I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. This is the truth. I tell you the what? Truth. What's the truth going to do? It's going to set you what? Free. Here's the truth. People who sin are slaves to sin. It's funny. I don't know about you. But I, when I know I'm doing wrong, I know it. Sometimes I, I don't feel like I can get past it. So I have to admit I have a problem, and the problem is sin. Second thing is this, second step. I've got to believe that Christ can change me. Again, Paul writes, Who will set me free from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ. Now, remember, Jesus said, um, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus said, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not I'm going to point you to the way or I'm going to show you the way. I am the way. Look at Romans 8 two. Again, Paul writing, the Holy Spirit will give you life that comes from Christ Jesus and will set you free. The Holy Spirit will give you life that comes from Christ Jesus and he will set you free. I've got to admit that I have a problem, and I've got to believe that Jesus can fix it. Jesus is the one that looks at my life, and he sees how it could be arranged. And then he says, I, I could do it. And one of the cool things about Christ is he'll pay for it. I, I would do a lot of stuff in the homes I've owned if somebody else would pay for it. You ever notice that? If somebody else would pay for it, I would do lots of things. Jesus paid for it. He's already paid for the change. And that's why the third step is I commit everything I am to him. Again, Paul writes this, a different letter. He says, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. I read a cool story the other day about World War II. At the end of the war, the Americans were flying these, um, these sorties, these little uh, missions uh, over uh, southern Europe. And they were, what they were trying to do is stop the flow of oil to the Nazis. And so they were doing these bombing raids trying to 
trying to ruin the oil flow. And these little bitty planes, I mean, they're tiny, and they they kind of fly through this barrage of of anti-aircraft attacks, and bullets are flying, and mortars, and, and over 500 of these pilots were shot down. Can you imagine? Can you imagine ejecting from a plane because your plane's about to crash into occupied territory, into Yugoslavia? I mean... Now, over 500 of these guys ejected from their planes. They landed, and their rightful fear was, we're going to be captured by the Nazis and tortured, because that would have made sense. However, the Serbians who lived near there, these peasant farmers, they rescued the Americans, and they hid and fed the Americans, and they protected them. But they knew that they couldn't keep them forever because eventually they would be found out. So at risk of their own lives, they, they protected these American flyboys. And then they came up with a plan. They were going to build uh, an airstrip, a secret airstrip, so that they could fly these guys out. Now, if you're American, I don't know about you, but I don't know how to speak Serbian. So there was this huge communication gap. And these Americans had to trust these guys that were keeping them safe. And they led them through forests. And I mean, it's just an amazing story. And they got them to this secret airbase and they got them free. And and it kind of makes a point. To be rescued from something sets us up on a path towards something else. They were rescued from this, but they needed to do something else, and they had to trust in order to get there. For us, in our relationship with Christ, we have to trust. We have to trust. Look at what it says. I think I put this verse. Yeah. The Spirit of God gave us, uh, the Spirit that God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. It's a cool verse. The Spirit of God living in us, when, when I ask Jesus to come into my life, this is what the Spirit does for me. He gives me power to do the things that I want to do. He gives me love to develop the relationships I need to develop. He gives me the self-discipline to live out the life that He wants me to live. Now, I'll stumble some. That's going to ha- how it goes. Sometimes I'm going to make a mistake, but I don't have to live that way all the time. Now, you might be saying, yeah, but I don't have enough faith. I don't have enough faith. How much faith do you think it takes? There's a super cool story in Scripture. There's a guy who comes to Jesus, and um, things are going wrong with his son. And his son is is ill, and and so he he says to Jesus, Jesus, could you heal my son? Or No, he actually says, Jesus, you could heal my son if you... If you can, would you heal my son if you can? And Jesus said, I can. Do you believe? Now, if somebody said to you, I could heal your child if you have enough belief, what would you say? This father in this, in this beautiful moment of honesty says, Jesus, I believe. And then the next breath he says, help my unbelief. I don't believe... Maybe everything, but I believe something. 
I don't have it all together, but I believe some of it. I'm not completely on board, but I'm on board. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. If you've been told the lie that you have to have it all figured out in order to follow Christ, it is just not true because Jesus healed that man's son. Did that man have complete, total, unwavering faith? No. He said, I believe, help me, help my unbelief. I get it, but I don't get it. I think you're cool, but I don't know completely. You don't have to have complete faith. You've got to have some faith. Jesus is calling us into some faith. Now, we were talking about this before church this morning. We have a huddle and we pray. And I, I believe to the core of my being that nobody's here today by accident. That before the time ever began, God knew you were going to be in this room today. And I don't know if this is the message that you needed to hear, but I know it's a message people need to hear. That... I feel like a slave to sin, and I can be free. And that might be you. And if it's you, admit you have a problem. Believe, at least start to believe that Jesus can change you. And commit your life to him. I am a walking testimonial of the grace and forgiveness of Jesus. For all intents and purposes, I shouldn't, my marriage shouldn't be together. Jesus healed that. I shouldn't be a pastor anymore. Jesus healed that. I mean, I know, I'm telling you the truth. If you want to be free, Jesus can set you free. I know it. Because he did it for me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this moment. We thank you that you love us so much, that you care about us, that you tell us the truth because you want to set us free. And I thank you that we don't have to have it all figured out before we start following you. Lord, as we close today, I pray that we might be humble enough to admit we have a problem humble enough to admit that we need you to fix the problem and courageous enough to commit our lives to you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close today with a song. I just want to tell